Let's bring in right now uh, Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times reporter uh, Maggie Haberman to talk about this important day. Uh, and Maggie, uh, obviously, uh, Mr. Trump, and it, that's to be frank, it would be political malpractice for him not to do so, but he is using this mugshot uh, and um, trying to raise money off of it, uh, posting it on Truth Social. Um, we know that the former president is someone who cares quite a bit about his image and legacy, this pose uh, that he considers to be menacing, uh, <clears throat> we're told, uh, is part of that. He does not like to be perceived as a loser, despite what he would call perhaps braggadocious behavior uh, and statements in light of this. How do you think this latest arrest and mugshot in particular uh, and the fingerprinting uh, and all of what he went through today. How do you think that's actually sitting with him tonight? I don't think especially well, Jake. Uh, from what I heard from people who had spoken to him, he actually seemed less agitated heading into today than he had the previous three indictments, which is still a remarkable sentence to say. But he doesn't want to be mugshotted. He doesn't want to be arrested. He doesn't want to have to uh, have what in his mind is the indignity of going to this jail and then, you know, submitting to a, a photo and a, a mugshot and fingerprinting. And to your point about the visuals of him, it isn't just that he wants to look menacing, which is certainly true, and he has, he has made that kind of face in photos for years and years and years. He doesn't want to look weak, and that's what that's about. And so, you know, circulating the mugshot, fundraising off of it, owning it, using it for press, that's all part of a, a playbook that we have seen him use over and over again, but that does not mean he's enjoying any of this. Um, this is you know, a, a serious thing. He is facing serious jail time. And explain to, to me to the capacity that anyone on this planet can, how refusing to accept a clear, decisive electoral defeat in 2020 and desperately attempting any way possible to hold on to power uh, legally and then extra legally and then illegally, at least according to the special counsel and the Fulton County DA, how, how is that not weak? Because in his mind, he didn't concede. And that has been how he has operated for decade after decade after decade through business failures, through bankruptcies of his casinos, uh, through losses, through products failing, uh, through divorces. It has all been if you, you know, pretend it is not happening, if you create your own reality, if you don't give in to what other people are acknowledging as objective reality, then maybe it really isn't there. And he is somebody who does not think in terms of long-term strategy. He thinks in very short increments of time, and it's all about just getting from one post to another. And so that is how uh, somebody thinks like that. It's also how somebody thinks who has lived, Jake. And, and this doesn't really get said, I think, enough about him. Mm -hmm. He lived a fairly consequence-free life before he was president. The bankruptcies cost the banks. Now, he did not like the press. He was very unhappy about it. But the bankruptcies were a loss to the banks. Generally, he had his father to help bail him out. He has moved from one thing to another without having to really face the kind of consequences that other people might have in similar circumstances. So this is an unusual moment. There was another shakeup of uh, Mr. Trump's legal team today. His new attorney, Stephen uh, Sadow, uh, was with him tonight, met him in person on the tarmac at Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport in Atlanta. Um, what can you tell us about the decision 
to bring Sato on. We should note that Sato is a very well-respected defense attorney, uh, but, but why switch now? It's obviously notable that he's switching several hours or switched several hours before he went to go be arrested in Georgia. My understanding, Jake, is this had been in the works for several weeks. He was always planning on adding to the team. Uh, Sato had been in, in discussions with Trump's world for some time, as I understand it. Uh, it you know, Trump, I think, only recently was introduced to him, but there was a decision to let his other lawyer, Drew, Drew Feindling, go. And, and that came uh, in the wake of the indictment. It, it seems specific to it. My understanding is that Trump wanted what he considered a stronger team. Sato, as you know, ha has a, an incredibly good reputation in the state and I think came very highly recommended to Trump. But it is a sign that Trump recognizes the significance and severity and seriousness of these charges, too. Yeah. And as you know, the former president is expected to to make the move that we've already seen uh, Mark Meadows make, which is to try to get this case moved from Georgia court to a federal court. Uh, it's probably underrated how likely that actually is to happen. Uh, some of the experts we have uh, been speaking with on the panel today uh, feel that it's, it's more likely than not. If that fails, though, um, the, the state trial would likely be televised. The federal one would not. Um, would Donald Trump, do you think, in the event that this does actually get heard in a Georgia court where t uh, cameras are allowed, would he, do you think, embrace that? Or would he try to get cameras uh, barred from the courthouse? I actually think that he would embrace it, Jake, although I don't think that there is unanimity of opinion around him about how to handle that. I think your point that legal experts, and we've been hearing the same thing, think that there is a real chance, it's not definite, obviously, but there is a real chance that a removal motion, meaning asking for this trial to be moved to federal court because these were actions taken in the capacity, uh, they'll argue, of his office. Uh, prosecutors, I think, would argue that it was outside of his capacity, but he was a federal office holder. Uh, there is a, a non-zero chance that that happens, and, and if that happens, this does change things significantly. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not somebody thinks Donald Trump is guilty or not guilty. This is just a question of of law, and the law would seem to say there's a plausible case that uh, a judge will rule that it does belong in federal court. Um, the jail, Fulton County Jail, that Donald Trump was processed at today, uh, we've been noting um, that it's notorious for its harsh, con harsh conditions. The Justice Department is investigating it. Prisoners uh, more regularly than they should uh, die while in custody. Uh, we saw images earlier today. Uh, Drew Griffin, our reporter, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Brian Todd, our reporter, uh, showed us images um, of the inside of, of the jail. It's, it's, and it's shockingly awful. Um, what do you imagine that experience was like for Donald Trump, who I think has probably never been inside uh, a building like that before? I don't think he has, no, Jake. I can't imagine any circumstance in his life that we're unaware of where he would have been. I think it was jarring. I think we should note that he was there pretty briefly. His aides filled out the paperwork about his vitals, his weight, his height, and so forth as his 
eye color, all the things that are there ahead of time, and it expedited the process. But I think even briefly, it's a very jarring experience. As we said before, this is not something that he's craving. I understand that he is using the mugshot politically. It would be very surprising were he not. When there wasn't a mugshot in Manhattan when he was indicted and then arrested in April, they generated a fake one. So it's not a surprise that he's using it. But this is not an experience that he wants. This is an experience that I think brings home the stark reality of what this is, which is a criminal case. And, and to your point about where he was headed today and, and how grim the circumstances are and how grim the location was, um, they've done very little. They've, they've, they've had sort of descending uh, appearances and public statements from him since the second indictment, where the second indictment he had uh, yet another, after, as he did with the first one, an event at one of his clubs, and he gave a big speech, a very defiant speech. He hasn't done that the last two times, and I think that is partly a recognition of, A, diminishing returns possibly in fundraising, but also concern that his legal team has about some of what he is saying, both in terms of possibly violating the conditions of his release in these cases and in terms of saying things that could be problematic in court. And that just, again, this is, this is dealing with something real. This is not politics. This is not a game. We don't know what will happen in these cases, and he has the presumption of innocence, just like any other defendant, but this is a serious thing.